Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and welcome to the void. You know, that week between Christmas and New Year's that nobody accomplishes absolutely anything. Well, we here at ATB, we got you covered. Joining us, as always, Kevin Patrick, KP. How was your holiday? What's the good word, man? This this void you speak of is a beautiful thing. I'm having a wonderful Christmas here with loved ones. How about you? I am living it up in Las Vegas as people, actually, by the time people are listening to this, I'm recovering from Las Vegas, <laughs> but we were kind enough. And, and you're a the, very rich man. <laughs> I hope I'm rich by now. We have the foresight to put this together for everybody so that you are not without the greatest sports entertainment podcast this week. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Listen, we talked last week a lot about our favorite matches and moments of 2022. Great interview with Roxanne Perez. This week, we're going to play some of our favorite interviews that have taken place on After the Bell. And there's no denying, KP, 2022 was the year of the bloodline. From the head of the table, Roman Reigns, on down to the Usos, who now, in December of 2022, own the distinction of being the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. And that was a goal that was on their mind when they joined the show back in May to talk tag team titles, tag team greatness, and all things bloodline. You guys literally grew up in this business, and we talk about the bloodline, and to the average WWE fan, the bloodline, yes, we know it's it's based in truth. We know you guys are genuinely related, but I don't think a lot of our audience, our fan base, knows how truly deep the bloodline runs. Aside from a video package here or there and a, a quick acknowledgement of, oh, this family member... I, we had our producers put together, actually track down a family tree for your family. Seven pages long. I don't know how way. accurate it is, so I'm, I'm going to test you guys. I'm going to ask yeah, you about let this. Me know. It, might be, it might be a damn family, family forest around. It's crazy. It's absolutely unbelievable. Just all the recognizable names in here. I, I, half of them I cannot pronounce with all, all due respect. The yeah, higher, yeah, the higher up the tree, the, the, the harder time I have <laughs> pronouncing any of it. But, I mean, obviously, your, fa your guy's father, Rikishi. And, you know, the connection that you've got going back earlier in his career, you got Samu, which Samu was my first introduction to your family here in Pittsburgh. When I broke oh, into the snap. business, Sammy was okay. kind of the elder statesman. 
And yeah. I, I was telling Vic the story. I, I was probably 16, 15, 16 years old. I'd just broken the business. I was like a referee, just trying to get trained, things like that. And I remember being in this bar that all the boys used to hang out at after the shows. <laughs> and Sammy's a pool shark. Right, like he, oh he man, did. they all are. Okay, yeah, all <laughs> so that's are. a family yeah. trait. Okay, yeah. and, and I remember I, I was I was leaned over the pool table and I took my shot and I stood up and Sammy was behind me and he put his hands on my shoulders and he's like, "Ah, oh, you're a good kid. You're a good kid." Next thing I know, he was catching me because he put me to sleep <laughs> right in the bar in front of everybody. Hey, he, so, so, he, sorry, man. Sorry yeah, about that. Man. Sorry, man. <laughs> and he, he sorry, me, man. picked me back up and that, but it was like, "All right, you're all right." And I, I had a laugh once I remember where the hell I was. But that was my first introduction to your family. You got uh, so so obviously you got Damn. Samu, you got Fatu, you got the Wild Samoans, sort of the patriarchs of all this. Yeah, it, it just keeps splintering. You got you guys have another brother that just entered the fold in yeah. NXT. Yeah. Uh, obviously, and then now then I, I looked because my curiosity has always been where Rock ties into all this. Yeah. And it's way high up the tree, way up in the family tree. Back to the high chief, Peter Maivia. High chief, yep. and, and there's basically two main arteries, and, and one is the rock side, and one is everything on Hawaii. And, yep. and obviously, Rosie, Oos's brother. Yep. Sadly, no longer with us. Yep. Eki, uh, Umaga. Yep. Who, yep. Who I didn't realize I didn't realize that Umaga was Kishi's brother. Get out of here, dog. I didn't know that. I Because I think what? it's just the age difference. I knew he was related, but I didn't realize they were brothers. I thought there was a, a you know, cousins. Everybody's your cousin. Let's be honest. Every, every, <laughs> I think yeah. I'm related to you somehow. <laughs> That's, but, but looking through this, talk to me about this a, a little bit more. I mean, you guys, your, your journey's been covered. You got the, the you know, 24s or the day one, all the, the documentaries about your, your guys' life and career. But shed a little bit more light on this bloodline, man, and how rich this history is and how what it means to this business. I'll tell you this, man. When when, when we got together, we we knew the name was Bloodline. Like we knew it just we was we knew it was gonna be Bloodline, regardless. Whatever they say, whatever, you know, you know, there's there's a name you guys need to come up with Bloodline, dog. Like, what you mean? Like, hey, hey, you know, hey, what a dope name though, right? The name is fantastic, dope. it's excellent, yeah. 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 Hey man, but check this out, Corey. I was sitting there watching my little nephew one day, man. He had all he had he had these action figures, man. He had my dad, Yoko, Umaga, he had the Wild Samoans, he had the Rock, he had us, Roman, and I'm just sitting there and he and he's just he just got them propped up. He just he's, he's just playing. But I, I walk by and I'm just like, I look how many of us that he just had. I'm just like, damn, that's like it, it, it's it dawned on me. It dawned on me. Kind of hard to believe. Yeah. You know, I mean, talk about like a, a truly a family business. You've got generations. I mean, we, you know, Randy Orton, third generation. Yeah. All, we've got, we, your whole family are generations deep in this game. As I'm looking down the list, like I said, you, you named Yoko. How I, I, I missed the name Yokozuna, <laughs> an all-time great. Just a, another on, on the list of, you know, incredible athletes. Uh, Reno, Black Pearl, I got to know him real well working with your dad okay. over in Europe. Your, your okay. dad gave me one of my first breaks before WWE, yeah. working over and, you know, doing tours in Europe. And I, I rest, I'd wrestled your dad two or three times by the time I met you guys. Man, that's cool. I remember getting the man. FCW, and I was like, "Man, what what a weird connection to, to your fan." You guys have been like this recurring thread in my career, and, and you know, it, it's it's such a broad reach. You guys have you know cousins. I um, let me look at this here. Jacob, Jacob Fatu, Jake, Jacob Fatu. Yeah, they're killing it. Tonga kid, whatever Tonga he, you kid, know, he had yeah. a run in WWE. TK all day. 
it's it's so wild and obviously i mean you guys are both fathers and, and you got you, there's probably another generation already ready at this point hey hey cory that, that that's the thing Goose. we we got you you ain't got no idea how many cousins are lined up uh the girl cousins like man they 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 watch us on tv every week Goose. and obviously like they they ready for this they want to do what we they want to carry on the name carry on the family business Goose. so we we legit going to be in this business 50 more years. It was like legit a hundred years in this game. That's crazy to think about. Lined up, man. You bring up cousins. I worked with Lance on Oahe on the Indies. That was my first, you know, introduction to, to, yep. to your family. Graves, looking at this, I have five generations. Uh, you mentioned generational. I have five generations right here just on the phone. You talk about kids and stuff. We're looking at six, seven generations now at some point. It is baffling. Legit. Also, I was baffled when I found out Yokozuna wasn't, you know, Japanese. Same. I just want to throw uh, that yeah. one out oh, there. Same. We was like, we were watching them on TV. We was like, what? What? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? That was trippy to me. Still is. People really believed he was. That's the first time I think I knew what a gimmick was. I was like, oh, that's a gimmick. But then in our business, everything's a gimmick, though. Was it was it weird growing up? I mean, I was uh, you guys you guys were football players initially. That was kind of your focus before the, you know you you caught the bug and, and realized that this is where you belong. Was it strange? Or were you aware of it growing up as to how widespread this family business was, or was it just oh that's what dad does, that's what pops does, that's what the, that's just that's how it was. It was just another day at the office. It was that right there. You know, we grew up talking about like uh, people like man, how's it feel like for your dad to be on TV and your dad and to be wrestling and we just be like. I mean, it's cool, I guess. I mean, you yeah. know, we grew up watching. And I watched my son respond the same way one day, man. Somebody asked him, man, yo, it's cool that your dad or your, your uncle's on TV, man. That's cool, man. How's it feel? He's like, I mean, it's cool, I guess. And I was like, <laughs> man, I feel you. Because I, I feel you, man. Like, you grow up watching it. It's, it, it's normal. It's it's so normal, bro. We had Barbarian at the house. We would have like, you know, all these all these wrestlers just show up at the barbecues, man. I, I used to be like, damn, bro, they go Ultimate War without the paint, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to Ultimate War, man. Yeah. Another another missing piece I would be remiss to not mention of of the bloodline has been the wise man, Paul Heyman. And P Paul has been very open and honest in public about his connection to your family generationally yeah. uh, obviously he goes back to the wild Samoans and when he broke into the business uh what is Paul meant to the Usos career because on screen primarily you see Paul as the special counsel of the tribal chief Paul's more closely identified with Roman because he's always at Roman's side but no doubt Heyman's had a great effect on your guys career talk to me about what Paul's meant to you guys yeah yeah pulled us to the side man he pulled me and bro to the side we just got on the road right I think it's the first time I think yeah yeah very early he was like, hey, I know you boys for a long time. You see that, Matt? I'm like, yeah. He's like, there's a lot of, a lot of your family has spilled their blood and sweat and tears in that ring. When you get in that ring, you you bump your ass off. You attack that Matt. You bump harder than every, anybody in this business because it's in your blood. So you, you go in there, you bump in with your dad, you bump in with your uncles, with your cousins. So when you go in there, you you attack that man. That that's that's your that's your livelihood in there. That's that's your heart in there. And I was like, I was just like, I'm about to go bump right now, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna run through that wall right now. Come on, man. Like he he like he he put it in us early, and I was like, oh hell yeah. Like you 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 right. So man, I I thank Paul for that conversation, man. Like 
right before TV. You know how everybody get there and everybody's like in the ring, but he was like, hey, Usos, come over here right quick. And when he told us that, man, it's like, it's, it it's stuck with me, stuck with me and bro. So when I when we get in that ring, man, that's why we 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 leave it every night, man. And it's like we kept that part because I think what he was trying to tell us, like, you know, as far as a working part, that'll open people's eyes. Like, yo, twins can get down in the ring. Like, they're really good. You know, we get past that that level. Now, you know, we start getting into this character stuff. You know what I'm saying? This is all, is all like stacking, you know, bricks on top of it to build this big, this building of, of the Usos, man. The, the, the Uso crazy, Uso penitentiary, all that, man. And I don't think if it wasn't for Paul, man, like half of us, our family wouldn't even know like how to move through this business if it wasn't for him, man. No. I think it's important to, to tell this this side of the story because, again, it's not just a, a TV persona. It's not just yeah. a wrestling storyline as to what Paul means to the three of you and your entire family. This is based in reality. This is, a, this is about as real as anything you're going to see on any TV show across the board. Every Friday, Paul feeding us, bro. Hey, hey, don't cater is... Catering's horrible. Don't go to Catering, new cells. I got I got, 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 got steak and shrimp. I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Keep well yeah. fed. <laughs> Come on, man. He take care of them. There used to be this picture growing up, man. There was a picture of my dad, a young a young Kishi, and a Samu with a young Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman yeah. had a big-ass cell phone the at big the time. big cell phone. Oh, yeah. I remember being scared to death of the Samoan SWAT team when I was a kid. <laughs> I had never seen And then the head shrinkers, obviously, in WWE. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. they, oh, those yeah. dudes horrified me which i can only imagine because think think about it like this the wild samoans in their heyday nobody ever saw anything like that they might as well have been actual savage killing machines aliens out there yeah because everything was so protected back then you didn't have social media you didn't know it and they were they were in character all the time so even years later when i was a kid i I mean I, i knew it was entertainment but For I was sure. like, man, I don't know. These, these Samoan SWAT team dudes, they look like they could eat me. Like, I was horrified of those dudes. And then little did I know that all these years later, I'm like, wow. Uncle Alpha used to carry that, uh, that, that, that shrunken head. The shrunken head, head. yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Hey, that used to be sitting around the house sometimes as a kid. It used to be just sitting there. I used to be like, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, it, it would just sit. He had like three of them around the house, man. I was like, man, I, that looked crazy as hell, man. Grace, you remember the head shrinkers uh, when, you know, they'd come out and they'd be eating like chicken, yes. you know, or like, and they'd be like eating it off the carcass. I was always like, what the f- is yeah. this? Like, hey, that, hey, that's real. <laughs> that, 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 that raw chicken, that raw chicken is real, bro. We was watching that with moms. My dad did not want to bite that. He did not want to eat that. I need you guys to back me up on this because I've I've entered new territory in my life. For the first time, when I was in Hawaii, I had Spam. Oh, here we go with Spam. Again. Oh, Vic, Vic doesn't understand. I've never had Spam. No, I don't know. I, I don't know about it. Man, Vic, where you from, Vic? Where you Cleveland, from? we don't do Spam. Oh, what the hell? Take your non-Spam eating ass back to Cleveland. Man, <laughs> <down here. laughs> I have never had spam in my life. And my mother who listens to this show messaged me and she goes, I used to buy you spam for Christmas. So when did you ever buy me spam for Christmas? She goes, Corey's right. You need to eat spam. I said, this is not my life right now. 
Spam what the hell kind of childhood did you have that you got spam for Christmas? Well, speaking of this, is why I don't like Christmas because I got you must spam have been a for Christmas. Kid, bitch. <laughs> right, I was. I'm still a badass dude right now. Speaking of Christmas, <laughs> is that a Christmas tree behind you? Man, you damn, you damn right, it's a Christmas Bruh, tree. It, really, it is May. Take that thing down. Oh, man. Tis the year. Oh, tis the year. Hey, my, 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 my tree leaning a little bit. <laughs> Your tree's got a gangster lean to it. In yeah, man. It's for the morale down here, bro. Oh, it's the gaming area down here. No, hey, Corey, you like spam, huh? I, I'm hooked on it, man. I'm hooked. I absolutely like it. Because now I know there's like, it's it's so versatile. You can do many different things with it. You could put Are you still talking about spam? Hell yeah. God I've bless. been talking about spam for three weeks now. Oh, I know. Because I, I, I got to get you to see it my way, man. Uh, the Usos know what's up. It's, yeah, it's a good way to live. I'm going to send something to your house, dog. Put that on a hot pan, dog. Get that crisp <laughs> on the outside. Some rice and egg on it, dog. Come on, dog. Spam rice and egg? Yeah. Spam looks like oh, dog God. food to me. Hey, like, hey, it doesn't hey. look appealing. Big, I, you, we ain't going to call you oops yet until you eat some spam, <laughs> dog. That's real talk. You have to earn real it. Real talk. <laughs> Your name, Vic. Vic. Well, I guess I got to uh, eat some spam then. Oh, man. It's all good, dog. Always love to hear from Jimmy and Jey Uso. They bring it in the squared circle, but also here on ATB. But you know what, Graves? If I have a prediction for 2023, my prediction is that the OC, who continue to roll and gain momentum on Monday Night Raw, may have their sights set. May have. Of course they have their sights set on Jimmy and Jey Uso and potentially getting a tag team championship match. And I'm talking about Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And what a pleasure it was to speak with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson here on ATB. Yeah, of course we chatted about having a few beers, but much, much more like coming to the aid of AJ Styles. Let's revisit the chat we had with Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers. Guys, talk to me a little bit. I mean, uh, we the last time the WWE Universe saw you was the now infamous legendary Boneyard match where you guys were both disposed of at the we hands were. of the dead we man. Were. Obviously, uh, look, look, we got a little freedom here. It's a different era. We can we can talk honestly, openly. You guys were released from your WWE contracts. Yep. And uh, I have to give credit to you for hitting the ground running because you two guys, I think, set a great example for a lot of people. I mean, look, it's nothing new in this sure. business. You come here, you make it to the top of the mountain, and nobody gets to stay here that exactly. long. It's, it, you know, it is. It's few and far between. You guys hit the ground running. You had a lot of your own projects. You mentioned the podcast. You guys even did your own sort of, uh, would you want to consider it a pay-per-view online? Yeah. But you guys used your creativity and your love of this business, and you created something in your own vision. Talk to me a little bit about that and how refreshing that was for you guys to, to leave WWE and have that freedom, but also talk to me about the journey that led you back. When I was when I was really young, starting out in this business, probably around the time that Sterling James Keenan met Dorian DeVille a long time ago in Orlando. Human far away. That's right. That's right. Uh, I remember I would always ask the veterans, like, what, what does it take to really make it in, 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 you know, pro wrestling, sports entertainment? And the best answer I ever got was a very simple one. And it was just don't take no for an answer. So sometimes in this business, a no creates a yes, and you have to take an opportunity or a missed opportunity and create another one. And, uh, you know, Machine Gun and I have different career paths until we met at the end of 2013. Uh, he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling and had been there for eight years, and it was very consecutive. I had bounced all around the business, different companies, TNA, Japan, WWE, uh, even before coming back the last time. And I just knew that we couldn't fail. Uh, we believed in ourselves and, and we had to not fail. And I remember calling him the day 
you know, they call them Black Friday sometimes in the business when the, when the boys get released or whatever. And he wouldn't pick the phone up. And when he finally picked the phone up, he said, what could you possibly want to talk about? And I said, well, we're booked in Spain, Portugal, and somewhere else. This was before we knew the world would shut down. He goes, how in the hell can you think about that right now? I said, that's what we're doing. And also we're doing a spook pay-per-view in my backyard. And he hung up the phone. But that's how we got to where we were. And then he got on board and we were like, let's go out there. Let's kick ass. Let's make as much money as possible. And let's let's reinvigorate ourselves and prop the name and the brand up. I think a lot of people make the mistake of sitting home and feeling sorry for themselves. And you have to deal with it in your own way. But we just didn't believe in that. So we didn't do it. And we had a hell of a lot of fun. We won titles around the world and uh, kept the train rolling and delivered the opportunity to bring us back to the spotlight. So I think it worked out great. Carl, from your perspective, you're a guy, you, you've got LG on your side trying to make some inroads, trying to make things happen. But talk to me about like the human side of things. You, you've got a family to worry about. You've got, you've got bills to pay. I mean, both of you guys have, have, you know, life expenses. And that's something I think gets lost on a lot of people. People, especially, you know, on the internet or, or certain groups of wrestling fans are so quick to judge. Oh, I don't like this story. I don't like this character. This guy's moveset sucks. You lose track of the fact that at the end of the day, everybody's a human being. Talk to me about that uncertainty, Carl, because that, I mean, as, as a father, as somebody who's got bills and, and mouths to feed, that's always a fear in the back of everyone's mind. A hundred percent. You know, I, I think what the good thing was is I, you know, I'd been in New Japan for eight years, right? So I, I'd, I'd supported my family that way before we even came to the WWE. And so I, I knew that it somehow, some way we'd be okay. But I do remember when the talent relations person called that day. I see it ringing my phone and I go, <laughs> hello? I said, but you, you must be in a having a bad day and you want to hear a good voice, huh? Right. And he goes, well, it's <laughs> not so good for you either. I go, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, you know, the guy calls Gallows too. And Gallows answers. He doesn't even know what's going on. He's out, he's outside mowing his lawn or something. And the, and the guy goes, he goes, Hey, what's up, man. And the guy goes, oh, I just got a phone with your partner. And Gallows goes, why? Oh, what's he up to? <laughs> just, it just, yeah, I, I don't think we've even told that story because it just it just came as a surprise to us. So I think that that's what kind of th- threw me for a, a a loop for about about an hour, and then a, and after that first hour, which I think you know I think a lot of those things set people back for days. But after that first hour, me and Gallus had CBD oil, we had a beer, we had a wine, a wine label. <laughs> we had a we had an Impact Wrestling offer. We had New Japan on the phone, and we all, all this stuff was 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 rocking, and it was like. You know, by the end of the day, I was almost ready to. I was. I had almost forgotten what happened, or I'd almost used used some of that to fuel what we were ready to rock with, and it ended up over the couple of years fueling me a little bit too much at times. I think I, I held some. I held some just to keep it real. I held some some. Uh, some ill will, some anger, but but you know, I think that helped me in a lot of ways to do what we did for two and a half years. And in other ways, like it kind of took me to some weird areas, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, two and a half years later, everything we did, we got a chance to go back to new Japan pro wrestling. We went to, I mean, we went to AEW for nine months. We, we had, we signed a two year deal with impact wrestling. I mean, and, and it all just ended at the right time. And then triple H text. And it's all this weird, you know, and I think at the end of it, I think when it comes down to it in, in the years later, it could be one of the most uh, surprising returns of all time because I don't think anybody ever thought we would come back to WWE, and I don't. I didn't think we. I didn't think we would either. You got to remember though, like it, it's eleven days removed from this boneyard match that we got all this praise for that we were a part of. So we didn't see it coming, but in my mind, you know, where I think that that it offended him, it offended me a little bit too. But I was like, we're eleven days out of main event WrestleMania. We ain't gonna be hurting for. 
pardon my French, like we're going to go all over the right. world. We're going to make a ton of money and I'm going to brand us as much as humanly possible. And I don't think we worried about that. And then by the, by the end of the year one outside, I go, dude, did you get your tax return? Like, look at us. Like we're almost right where we were at. And that was always the goal. And that's impressive, man. The train kept on rolling. After being fired, I, I paid this big-ass house that I bought off. And that's not, to, that's not to brag, but it's just like we knew we couldn't stop. It is inspirational, though, Carl, isn't it? How you two rebounded. And when you look at life's journey as a whole, and you're going to, you know, Carl, sit with your kids one day having a beer and talking about your journey as a professional wrestler, as, as a person, how much will you be telling your kids about the relationship with Gallows and how you two are so different, yet you've got that telepathic chemistry in ring, but also how you help each other outside of the ring. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the, the telepathic way is a good way of putting it. We've met so many guys. We met so many guys through the years that would always say before me and LG even met each other, they were like, hey, have you, because I'd be, maybe I'd be in Tokyo in a room telling a story and like, and I remember MVP or uh, a couple of different people would be like, hey, do you know Luke Gallows? And I go, no. And they go, oh, you guys would get, a, you guys, you guys would get along well. And I go, whatever. Something. <laughs> Forget him. Little know. did you know. We had, we had both. Yeah, we had both heard it, and then uh, it was funny. I was in TNA at the time. He was in Japan, and he direct messaged me about something that he thought was funny on the show, and I thought it was funny on the show, and that was like the beginning of the relationship. And then my time was ending at TNA, and I go, I give him a hey brother message. We've all done it. Hey brother, is there anything going on in New Japan? And uh, that that's how it all kind of came together. You know, he put the word in, and they saw me, and then. We had like that stepbrothers moment where like we had a really cool match in Cork at Hall. So we knew there was some chemistry there. And he goes, do you uh, you like Mexican food? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do you like beer? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do you want to go with my sponsor to have Mexican food and beer? And I was like, yeah. And about an hour in, we were like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, I'm glad we got, yeah, I'm glad we got, you know, I'm glad we got canned together. We, we, we laughed a lot of times thinking like, what if, what if LG would have got, what if one had to stay? We would have been miserable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I say, yeah, I, to, to, to go back to court, I, I didn't really answer your question. When we did get released at first, uh, like I said, that first hour, I kind of sat up on my, I sat up on my porch outside and I was thinking about, I did, I thought about my kids a lot there. And I thought about like my wife and my family. I'm thinking, man, are they going to be embarrassed? And like, I know I'm all, I started getting text messages from my neighbors. <laughs> hey, sorry about, sorry about what just happened. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> sakes. How, how fast does that news <laughs> spreads, man? I, it's, scary, it's scary. So then I was thinking about going outside and shooting, and, and shooting some hoops outside. I'm like, no, cause they're all making fun of me. You know, it's, now, it's, now it's, I've been, I've been publicly fired. So, <laughs> so there, there was a moment where I was like, you know, this is this, you know, but I, I think down the, down the road years later, now my kids will see, obviously be able to Google it all and see what happened and, and realize that their dad and, and his partner did, take that setback and turn it around, you know? And I know you guys stayed busy as a unit uh, together, but Carl, correct me if I'm mistaken, you currently still hold a title for New Japan. I, I am the, the New Japan Pro Wrestling never open weight champion, and Big LG is my heater at all times. And that will continue until we see otherwise. How does that work? How, how are, are you, do you have to go back or are you... I, I'm going to go back on my time when it, when it, okay. it so, so new Japan pro wrestling usually strips, strips their champions when they can't make a show. And they, they threw a leniency, a leniency in there because they announced a match for me when we hadn't told, totally agreed on what we we're going to do. We didn't know the dates. So the dates, the dates are coming up and some, and this is, well, this is probably going to, this will be good to uh, explain this. 
I'm going to come back and I'm going to defend my championship, but on your terms, just relax. Give it a, give it a second, brother Graves. Not you, the people that are really getting ugly. I've got the some, people. I've got some, <laughs> some slanderous tweets. <laughs> I've messaged Rocky Romero, who's a good, a, a great friend of ours, who's a, one of the office brothers at New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I go, he loves when you say that. I said, I can't wait to announce this date because these people are just really, really hating me right now. <laughs> really, really They're upset. coming for your throat as New Japan loyalists, I know. <laughs> I'm keeping this title. I'm keeping this title. I'm never giving it back to you. That's anybody. right. We're keeping it hostage in America. Damn it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I want to get your thoughts as, as guys who have spent a, a significant amount of time in your careers in Japan. Uh, the announcement that was made last week that Nakamura is going to go to work for Noah with the Great Muda on the Great Muda's retirement tour. Like, how weird is that? And how weird is the timing of you guys coming back under the WWE umbrella as the same time that the world is sort of opening? You know, the, you hear the term forbidden door. But when WWE, that's this is pretty unheard of. Do you guys have optimism? Do you think this is something that could be big going forward for the business? This is so big, I don't think people understand the magnitude of how big this absolutely is. And I think that six months ago, th this would have not been a scenario at all. I think it's huge. And Carl can speak even further onto it. But I mean, the fact that that's being allowed to take place is monumental and in and, and wrestling history, if you will, I think. As longtime fans, we could probably, most of us agree, it's it's huge. No, it, it's it's like I, I saw Shinsuke at uh, NXT about oh, a couple weeks ago, and and even he he pulls me aside and he goes, Chado, uh, big problem. You New Japan big heat because of uh, never title because even Shin, even Shinsuke doesn't know this doesn't place. understand what's right. going well, on. And, and yeah. just for the, anybody listening, for for the sake of anybody who may not be familiar, the the Japanese as a culture, do business very differently. And that includes the sports entertainment industry. And there, there are certain lines that you don't cross. And it's, it's very different than it is here in the United States. And, and the, the brand that you work for, it, there's, there's a loyalty goes very far. And there's a lot of separation over there as opposed to kind of a big business. So Yeah, which, which can also teeter into personal life where the boys can get mad at you thinking you're actually doing something and don't realize because they've <laughs> the boys. Yeah. They do. Yes, they do. They've <laughs> the boys. <laughs> 
No, but I, but I told Shin, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back at some point. And we are, we're just trying to figure out, work out the dates because, you know, WWE is, man, you're live. What, you're live every Monday. You're live. You know, you got you got to go to Saudi Arabia. You got to do these, you know, Survivor Series is coming up. So you're trying to think of, you know, what days you can go. And it's, you know, with Japan, you, you got, you got to, you're, you're knocking out four days at least because you got to travel the day before, two days before to get there the day before to work the day of because if you leave the day before, you're not going to make the show the next day. It's, it's, it's just 13 hours ahead. And then, and then maybe you have to get on a six-hour train when you get there so people don't understand. Like, just to get to the show is a day and a half sometimes before get anything on those, happens. Those, <laughs> the bullet train. Those ferry boats to Hokkaido. <laughs> right, exactly. That's, that's, that's easy. Take me north, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you need four or five days for this whole trip to happen. And then sometimes, you know, with the WWE schedule, it's not possible. But then Shinsuke told me, so before it was announced, Shinsuke goes, I'm going to wrestle, you know, Great Muda for his retirement. I said, I said wow. That blew me away, too. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I mean, this to to, to be able because you know WWE hasn't really done stuff like this. And yeah, this is this is pretty pretty. It's pretty been a cool. long time, and, and that's another thing that I think I think a lot of people seem to realize, and it's understandable. It's it's seemingly ancient history. We're all aging ourselves here. But you look back at, I believe it was WrestleMania five, and you had Tenru and Koji Katao against Demolition, and whether it be Mexico or Japan, there have been forays out there where, where even Vince would say, Hey, let's, let's do a little business. Let's try to help everybody grow because uh, you know, the old adage, a, a rising tide rises all ships. Uh, but for one reason or another business, usually it just never really worked out, particularly for any sort of tenure, no sort of, of, you know, time. So all of this is when I read the news, I saw Chinsuke's tweet first. that just said miracle. And, or it's, and I went, what, the, what is he talking about? And I said, Oh my God, mood. I, I it's, it's crazy to me. As a guy, I haven't spent nearly the time in Japan. You guys have. But just as a, a fan, I'm getting a note that was WrestleMania 7. Thank you, Alex, for correcting <laughs> me. But it, it seems almost hard to fathom. And, and now you guys are back on this side of the, of the world under this umbrella. Is it exciting for you guys for the possibility of what could be? A hundred percent. I mean, these are, yeah, I think that, that it's it's cool too because you're, 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 you're kind of cross-pollinating audiences where – WWE is so big and so broad and we talk about demographics and the children and stuff like that. And then these hardcore serious wrestling fans like that are a big part of the internet community and all of that. There's like a cross pollination with, with the casual fan to these serious hardcore fans too. So I think it's going to be really cool from a fan perspective as well, because these are like, uh, if any of them are possible, they're true dream matches that you can't see in these, you know, the big number one company, which makes it, it it's it's phenomenal to use Uncle Allen as an example. <laughs> yeah, I think through the years, WWE always took uh, in this smart, smarter fan uh, community, they would take flack for not working with other people or not doing this or that. But but be, being in the WWE system, the, the amount of time that we had been and seeing the how busy the WWE is. I mean, it's it's hard to find time to, to do this other stuff. Yeah, and, it's a machine. Yeah, and if you want to be 100% honest too, right? Like I think we even talked about this with New Japan. Like anything WWE does with other companies is going to help the other company. Yeah, it's a rub. But that's just an obvious thing. You can't listen to Gallows and Anderson pontificate about this business and not grin from ear to ear. Always a good time with the Good Brothers, but from the Good Brothers to a godfather of sorts. Not the godfather, a godfather, one of the most important minds in the history of our industry. A man who stood toe-to-toe against WWE for the infamous Monday Night Wars, but would soon lend his contributions to world wrestling entertainment. Eric Bischoff joined ATB 
in April of 2022. Obviously, in the years since you made that transition, you've carved out a Hall of Fame-worthy resume. I want to talk to you for a minute about the WWE Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which is going down in a matter of hours right now as we record this. The Undertaker, the headliner, the greatest sports entertainment character of all time? No doubt. No doubt. And it's always hard. You know, I was asked that same question earlier in a radio interview. You know, of the three, I think it was Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, and Steve Austin. Which is the biggest star? Well, you know, you got to qualify that stuff. Right. You know, I, I think if you look at the Undertaker, his impact on this industry, the longevity that he had. That's most impressive. No one has a 30-year 30, 30 career in anything. No. Let alone something as physical and time-intensive as sports entertainment. At the level that he played and the impact that he had, how do you not give him the nod for that role? Well, if you're just counting dollars, you're going to go to The Rock because who's made more money in this right. industry than The Rock? But... If you're going to talk about who had the most significant impact on the industry in the early stages of its amazing growth, how do you not pick out Hulk Hogan? Agreed. So it's a tough one. It it comes down to personal preference. And I think for me, when I look at, when I heard The Undertaker was going on, first of all, it wasn't a surprise, you know, to anybody that, you know, is aware of The Undertaker and his relationship with WWE. But I thought, man, this is going to be the coolest one. They're all cool. And I'll be honest with you, Corey, WrestleMania weekend is an amazing weekend. Everybody loves it for different reasons. Me personally, I've always loved the Hall of Fame portion of WrestleMania weekend the most because the emotions are real, the respect, the fact that guys get up on that stage and they're being respected by their peers is a very special moment. I just, I live vicariously through every one of them. Would you think it's safe to say that it is one of the most real, authentic nights of the year in our business? In its own way, I do. Because n- there's no storyline, man. Yeah. There's no, there's nobody's working hard for an outcome. Right. Everybody, it, it's, to me, it's, it's a celebration of what you've done and that's when it becomes real. It, it does. It's, you're not jockeying for position. You're not worried about what's next. It is kind of, okay, I did this thing and here are my peers and the world acknowledging me on And the that's stage. the magic for me, again, everybody has their own different you right. know, take on things. But even when you called me, when you and Eva called me last year, now I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I kind of suspected, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps, maybe. And even before that, years before that, every time WrestleMania would come along, people would, you know, my podcast or social media, whatever, yeah, are you going into the Hall of Fame this year? So I, I can never say I wasn't ever thinking about it. That mm-hmm. would be untrue. But even when you call me, I kind of went, oh, they want me to do, this is kind of, this is unusual. But yeah, I'll do that. I wonder if, but when the, when you said the words, when the when it went from, I wonder if, maybe when, to it's happening, if I allow myself to think about it too much right now in this moment, I'll start to get weepy again. That's how magic that moment was for me. And I don't think I'm unique in that respect. Is it it's a sense of validation? Like all accomplishment. The work. Accomplishment? Yeah. Validation, accomplishment. I guess it's the same thing. It's it's being recognized by your peers. I don't think you could be a driven professional and not desire that recognition from your peers. 
Definitely. I don't know how you do that. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. I would agree with that for sure. For sure. Uh, two other guys getting their recognition this year. Rick and Scott, the Steiners. How obviously. awesome is this? Incredible. Shocking to many who, who if, yeah. you, if you know the behind the scenes and all the, the stuff that the internet's fascinated with, it seems a little more surprising than many inductees of, of days past. But Rick and Scott Steiner, absolutely belong in the WWE Hall no of Fame for man. their contributions. You got to work closely with them more so than their time in WWE right. and in WCW. What are some of your favorite memories that are appropriate for public consumption <laughs> of Rick and Scott Steiner? <laughs> well, shortly after I joined WCW in 91, it might have been my very first pay-per-view, actually. I think it was Halloween Havoc at uh, the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, I think. And I showed up. Everything was new to me, right? I didn't know any of the talent. Everything was new. Everything was exciting. And I was intimidated by most of it. And at that pay-per-view, we had to use the wrestling mat room where the amateur wrestling okay. team practiced as our dressing area. Okay. And I show up, and I find a corner back away from everybody because I was intimidated and just wanted to keep my head down, keep my job, not upset anybody, mm -hmm. right? I'm in there, you know, in the corner dressing and getting ready, and I look over, and the Steiner brothers are torturing this referee. I mean, torturing <laughs> him, stretching him, bending him, squeezing him, breaking him, until they got tired of that, and they wrapped him up like a mummy in gaff tape and left him in the corner, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I can't wait to work with these two guys. That was my first impression of the Steiner brothers. And I, I, subsequently, I went on to become really good friends with Rick. Rick and I took, so took a, a really um, big, a very special uh, hunting trip up to the Yukon, just south of the Arctic Circle. One okay. Had to fly in on float planes and do the whole thing. And we were up there for 10 days or two weeks. And just amazing. But uh, I've had a lot of great experiences with Rick. Scott, I didn't hang out so much personally. Okay. Scott was always... Kind of doing his a own little thing. different, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of like hanging around with a hand grenade. You know, eventually it's <laughs> eventually it's going to go bad. <laughs> uh, well, the, the list keeps on growing. I, I got to ask you about Vader, the, mm -hmm. one of the most dominant physical specimens our business has ever seen, and dare I say, a guy who changed the game, physically speaking, for larger athletes and mm -hmm. really raised the bar. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can't argue when you, and you know, because of, you know, the nature of my podcast, Conrad Thompson and I, 83 weeks, we go back and we look at the history of sports entertainment and Nitro and WWE. Uh, we don't really talk about the current product sure. much. Um, but anytime we go back and we cover uh, a, a Nitro or a pay-per-view primarily, WCW, where Vader was in a main event, mm -hmm. I always get excited because you're going to go back and you're going to watch something that's 15, 20 or more years old, and you're going to see athleticism from a not just a big man, a very Behemoth. big man <laughs> that is so off the charts, even by today's standards, right. for someone that weighed 220 pounds. It's amazing to me. So I'm really glad that Vader's made it to the home. Yeah, when they did the the, uh, the the announcement of Vader's induction and just watching those the few minutes worth of clips of him doing moonsaults, and, and it, it was such a, a dichotomy. He could get up on the top rope and do a moonsault and conversely throw somebody into the fourth row of the crowd. It made it seem effortless, but there was a believability about Vader that came through the screen. When I was growing up, I was terrified. When I saw him with, with the elephant helmet come out with yeah. the smoke in WCW, I was like, I don't know about this guy. I, I, I don't even know if Sting can stop this guy. Right. 
But I, I think it's very cool that he's finally getting his flowers, so to speak. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us here to, to, to live through it. So Vader will be taking his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. I got to switch gears to another superstar that we recently lost, Scott Hall. Mm. Obviously a man who helped change the business alongside yourself, Kevin Nash, NWO, Hulk Hogan. What has, now that there have been a few weeks to process the loss of Scott, what has Scott meant to you in your personal life and your career? That's a big one. I kind of look at my life as a spider web in a way. Okay. One, one thing always leads to something else, which leads to something else. And it, it seemingly doesn't stop. Um, Scott Hall, you know, when he made his way down through the crowd on May 27th, 1996, I remember it's the day well. burned into your memory. It's also my birthday. Oh, I, I didn't Which realize that. Why, and, and I was thinking about it a couple of days after I heard the news about Scott after he passed. And I'm thinking, you know, the best birthday present I ever got was the day that Scott Hall walked down through that crowd. I didn't know it at the time, but the best birthday present I've ever received was that night. Because that moment, that night he came down through the crowd and he cut that promo, changed my life forever. It changed my son's life forever. It changed my daughter's life forever. It changed my wife's life forever. My grandson is going to enjoy a life in the future that benefits from that very moment that Scott Hall came through that crowd. And I'll never, ever not appreciate that. That's wild to think of the magnitude that that moment had. When you put it like that, when you talk about the spider web and how everything's interconnected, if Scott Hall doesn't agree to come to WCW and then doesn't catch fire. That story never happens. It, it's, and it's hard to believe because it's such a massive part of sports entertainment history that you, you can't have discussions about how we got to where we are today without that piece of the puzzle. And looking back, we've all had our, our moments and, and reminisced about what Scott meant to us personally and what a mentor he was. But to hear it put the way you just did, I think, puts a whole different light on the magnitude of a, a true industry-changing moment. And Scott Hall was the first chip to fall into play. He was the catalyst. He was the first domino to fall in a series of dominoes that changed not only my life, but to your point, the industry. Because so, so much of what really became the Attitude Era was a direct reaction to what was going on with the NWL. Right. It changed things and in ways that we're still seeing today and enjoying today. And it, it started with Scott Hall deciding to come to WCW. Think about, I, and I think about this all the time. When I, when I talk about being grateful, I'm, I really think through the things that I'm grateful for and, and make sure that I appreciate them the way I should. But Scott Hall never comes to WCW. That NWO storyline never happens. Hulk Hogan never turns heel. The Attitude Era may or may not have ever happened. None of us have a crystal ball, but I'm buying it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really, really wild. As much time. I think it's, it's, it's an example about just being so caught in the bubble and so close to it all the time. You have to take a step back and realize the magnitude of, of so many of these different so scenarios. So many things. You know, the NWO was one, and Scott Hall certainly, you know, was one. But there's so many other big moments. And I think it's one of the things that makes me really appreciate WWE and the universe and the history and the legacy because had Vince McMahon not decided to exploit cable television at the time and in the manner in which he did, 
who knows if you and I would be sitting here right now. That's very valid. You're absolutely right. It's crazy to think about, but it's a, it's a healthy, fun thing to think about it as well. When you look back on your career and all the contributions creatively or in front of the camera, behind the camera, obviously you get credited with the NWO and, and so much of the success of WCW. What are some of your favorite moments? Eric, as a man that you just had the most fun doing, that you look fondly upon now that maybe don't, maybe moments that don't get the love and, and aren't in the, the general zeitgeist of the mm-hmm. wrestling community. There's a few, and, and they're unique. Um, I think the first dollar of profit that WCW ever made, I had made a bet about eight months earlier with the head of Turner Finance, and I told him, his name was Harry Anderson, and I was in a meeting with Harry Anderson and Bill Shaw, who was my boss at the mm-hmm. time. And Harry Anderson was really concerned about WCW and our budgets and where we were going. And I bet Harry Anderson, I said, I bet you, Harry, that we will be profitable by the end of this year. And he shook his head in a good-natured way. said, Eric, you know, I really appreciate your enthusiasm, but it's not going to happen. I said, I bet you. I'm going to bet you $1. And if I win, you're going to come to the Christmas party at the end of the year, and you're going to get on your knees in front of the WCW employees, and you're going to hand me that ceremonial first dollar. And we're taking pictures, Harry. And he laughed, and he chuckled, and Bill Shaw shook his head. He was embarrassed. Cut to that Christmas party in a little Mexican restaurant in downtown Atlanta at 2 o'clock in the afternoon full of WCW employees and Harry Anderson, the head of Turner Finance, on his knees, handing me that dollar. (laughs) That was a pretty cool moment. That's excellent. And I think as a performer, being the minister in the Chuck and Billy wedding, undoubtedly the the most fun thing I've ever done on camera. (laughs) So it's it's a toss-up between the two. Depends on my mood. So, Eric, I I know you, on your podcast, 83 Weeks, speak mostly about things that have occurred in the past, but you still keep your finger on the pulse of what's current today. A lot of superstars that speak out, I'm going to use Undertaker as an example because he's been in the the internet media lately, Mm -hmm. and anybody from the current generation or perhaps even the next generation seems to have that chip on their shoulder of, oh, well, that's, that's the old timers talking. But there's a lot of, val- a lot of validity and, and earned experience and the right to, to impart that information. When you look across the landscape now, what are some things that you would love to see more of and see less of, not only in WWE, but across the business as a whole? without sounding like crotchety old man going back in my day, we used to do this because I know that's never the intention. Guys are trying to impart wisdom, but this day and age, you know, what's funny, Corey is I've heard that generational complaint since the day I came into the business when I was 31 years old, I was listening to Nick Bockwinkle and Vern Gagne complaining about the young stars that are coming through and how they'll never get it, and they'll never draw a die. And conversely, simultaneously, the young stars are going, get out of my way. I know what I'm yeah, doing. I'm going to do it. it's the same story. Yeah. These old guys are just hanging on too right. long. <laughs> get out These of the young way. guys don't know. They don't really <laughs> understand the business. I've been hearing this argument. I've been in the industry or associated with it indirectly for a total of about 35 years, and I've been listening to the same story for exactly that long. <laughs> You know, and it, it, the same thing was true in WCW. But I think what happens is people lose sight of what works, what has always worked. What's the one thing about sports entertainment that has always captivated people? 
and it's really hard to pinpoint one thing because it's different for everybody. But I think across the boards, it's the story. Mm-hmm. And I would love if there was a way in today's environment and the sheer volume of things that needed to be produced, there could be perhaps more emphasis on story and less emphasis on the dynamic physical presentation. I think what's happened with the industry over the years, the last 15 in particular, uh, maybe 20, is that the athleticism has, I mean, it's reached a point of being mind-boggling. It really is. It's just, I see things today that I, I, it's like watching Olympic quality gymnasts do things that seem to defy physics. And now we're seeing it within the context of a wrestling match. It's mm-hmm. mind-boggling to me. But I think with the emphasis that's on the physical presentation, unintentionally, story and character have become de-emphasized. So I'd like to see that balance shift a little more than it currently is. But part of that is just me, because I've always loved the story. I've never been as excited about the physical presentation as I have been about the story presentation. But I may be in the minority on that one. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think the the emotion is what supersedes everything, I, I, or should be, from from my perspective. But as we're having this conversation and we're talking about how people consume things differently, there are still television shows that have the slow burn, the slow build, and you have to get invested in that. I, I'm, Yellowstone comes to mind. I was going to say Yellowstone, twelve to fifteen viewer million viewers a week. You can't tell me good scripted story driven drama doesn't still work. Right, but you still have the ability to binge watch it or watch at your own leisure. But that story still works. How? And this may be a, a, an impossible question to answer, but how could you? find a happy medium where it's this business, it's this day and age where people want to consume things more quickly, but there's still that slow burn story. Where's the happy medium? Mix it up a little bit. You know, you've got a lot of hours of television. You don't have to produce every single match and every single story with the same type of pace. You can have a slow burn story that takes three months to evolve over the course of a quarter while you've got other shorter form stories that are developing underneath. Okay. Or vice versa. You can have your short form stories up on top if that's what's moving the needle and still have that slow burn underneath. So you're satisfying both audiences. You're giving them the fast paced, vis- visually dynamic presentation that people seem to be used to because of the way we consume entertainment. But underneath, you can still have a couple key stories that are slow burns. KP, we are lucky enough to really get to pick the brains of a lot of superstars and people within this industry on this show. When it comes to conversation, to me, Eric Bischoff, second to none. I have learned so much from my limited interactions with EZE over the years, and I always look forward to hearing more. Yeah, absolutely. And always a pleasure when you get to see him pop up every now and then in around Monday night, Rob. Graves, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up for another calendar year. Can you believe 2022 coming to an end? And here we go again. There's no stopping with WWE, is there? Absolutely no stopping the machine that continues to soldier forward. And we are kicking off Monday Night Raw with a bang, KP. Two massive championship matches this coming Monday on Raw. The United States title on the line. Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins. The Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair defends against Alexa Bliss. And all the madness you have come to know and expect from Monday Night Raw. Happy New Year, KP. We made it through another one. 
You too, pal. It's a pleasure working alongside you each and every week. And I'm learning so much next to the savior of misbehavior, Corey Graves. And I'm incredibly grateful uh, for all that you offer. As I always say to you, you are an armadillo, my friend. Crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside. (laughs) I've always got to call you that now. But I appreciate you, man. Love to the family. And here's to a cracking new year. Right back at you, KP. I cannot wait for the madness that will follow in the year 2023. I'm happy to have you by my side for the journey. Luckily for everybody listening, we will be back next week, bigger and badder than ever. I don't know how much different it's going to be, but you have to qualify it. It's a new year. You have to make it sound big, right, KP? That's what we do. Damn right. In the meantime, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Make sure you're listening for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell. After the Bell.